to the Bullcast Podcast. I'm Katie Pickler, and with me is my co-host, Court Winsett. Welcome back from your summer break, Katie. How was your summer vacation? How was the end of season two, slash now the beginning of season three? We had a break? We did. We had a break. You don't remember? <laughs> no. I never get a break from you, Court. We were on a break. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, ladies and gentlemen, you are you are tuning in to the first episode of our third season. We are now on to episode 61. So this episode, what are we going to talk? Whoa! There was the opening <laughs> bell, Katie. Don't forget that. <laughs> we're not getting rid of that for season three. Don't worry. <laughs> we're, not, we're not getting rid of anything except for possibly me. Um, okay, so... <laughs> Still accepting applications. <laughs> Last time, uh, we ended out season two, and we talked about the financial implications of the wedding that you said I do to the, or you said yes to the ring, and you were about to say I do, Mm -hmm. so we talked about that, so we thought, start off season three with, marriage. yes, you've gotten married now, trying to figure out, what are you doing? And no, this is not going to be a marriage counseling episode, we're not going to help you with your romance life. This is more about your financial life now yes. that you're married. I mean, I, w- I would not hold myself out as a marriage expert. Is um, it? I mean, it's as I was writing the outline for this episode, all that kept playing in my head was love and marriage. Uh, of course. <laughs> uh, I mean, if you don't know that show, you need to watch it. Married with Children. Married with Children. It used to come on very, very like early, early, late, 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 late at night slash early, early in the morning on, mm-hmm. on whatever TV channel we fell asleep to. And that song now just sort of, I have a, a negative physical reaction to it. But since we're talking about marriage today <laughs> and more specifically talking about combining your financial lives. Yes. Right. Making sure they mesh together beautifully. Right. In marriage. Mm -hmm. So we're going to do, we're going to do top five. The top five movies about a marriage. Well, that just makes sense. I mean, you know, (laughs) a lot of them might be about a marriage falling apart, but they're still about a marriage. (laughs) Because again, as we said last time, there's a lot of movies about weddings, but there's also a lot of movies about Bad marriages. Bad marriages, <laughs> crazy marriages. It's 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 interesting. So um clearly we all can relate to those different a- outlets out there. Oh, absolutely. Wedding, marriage, all of it. Yeah, yeah, no question. Um, so moving right into the top five, Katie, hit them with your top five list marriage movies. Marriage movies. Okie dokie. Let's see. My number five would be the out of towners. There's actually an older one, um, not I cannot remember who was in that one. And there's a newer one that had Goldie Hawn and Steve Martin. And this is just a fun movie, but it's actually highlights where they're going to New York. They're going to be out of towners and do this trip to go see their now empty nester house. They've got a daughter that's in New York. They're going to go see her. And that's when it starts unraveling some of these secrets and financial issues that have happened because... Steve Martin's character has been loaning money to his daughter. His daughter's not been very great and not been honest with what she's doing with her money. So, of course, whenever you throw money in the middle of a marriage and a family, there's a lot of issues that pop up. Lots of arguments. But it is really cute. Love Goldie Hawn and Steve Martin together. Okay, my next one, number four, would be uh, A Simple Favor. So this is a kind of newer one. It was Blake Lively. Love her. Anna Kendrick. Love her. (laughs) Um, But this movie was very interesting in the fact that they, uh, you know, Blake Lively's character was married and was a 
you know, a boss. Yeah, yeah, that that word. <laughs> a boss witch with me. Um, she was badass, mm. and um, you, their relationship was very interesting. But then I'm not going to give away the movie. But there was a financial component to this involving their marriage, and uh, you know the actions she took place with that. My next one, number three, would be Father of the Bride Part Two. <laughs> so you took Father of the Bride from me last time. Yes, I did. And so I'm taking you to Father of the Bride three or two. Sorry, two. part two. Yeah. My number three, part two. <laughs> <laughs> um, this movie, Father of the Bride, obviously Steve Martin again. Love him, obviously. But uh, they are now dealing with babies. This is something uh, that they did not really think about in their financial plan. Of oh, we're Later in our lives, our daughter has already gotten married. She's having a baby. Who's the... I mean, I just remember that moment where Steve Martin's like, and who's the father? (laughs) And it's like, well, honey, you know, it's you. What does he say? What does he say? He says her her maiden name. (laughs) Nina. Nina. I can't remember. Wienerhorn. Something like that. I don't know. But it's another great, obviously, they make it funny, Diane Keaton, Steve Martin, but it is about the financial surprises that come about in marriage. Uh, and then my number two would be Mr. Mom. And Court got mad at me that I stole this one stole from him. Stole it right out from under me. This is a great movie in the 80s, I believe. And um, Yes, it was in the 80s. Was it Shelley Long? Shelley Long, Michael, Michael Keaton. Keaton. And um, he is a... Big executive working and loses his job, and then it's kind of the roles reverse, and mom goes to work, and dad stays home and becomes Mr. Mom and understands the financial impact of that, but also how the non-working spouse is also huge and very crucial to a marriage. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it's very important. We're going to talk about that in a minute, the non-working spouse. And uh, my number one, yours, mine, and ours. Now, there's the newer one that had um, Rene Russo and... Dennis Quaid. Dennis Quaid. When you said you were doing yours, mine, and ours, I thought you were talking no, no, about the... No, I had to, Like, uh, the newer one's okay, but I like the Lucille Ball one. Um, that is the one I grew up on was yours, mine, and ours. Thanks, Mom, because it's such a great movie. But it is about... They both are, so she lost her husband and he was in the military. He is in the military. And so they both have that military life. They both have multiple children and they get set up by their friends to go on this date and they both lie about their kids that they have. Mm. And so they fall in love. And then, you know, before you know it, it's, you've got a lot of children interesting, in this house. That's an interesting that's an interesting difference between that one and the newer one because in the newer one she is very much not of of the military lifestyle. And that's what causes the clash in the newer one is he's military and she's free spirit. So Yeah, no, I've learned so much from that and my mom and I still joked this today about how uh, they open, it's in the newer one and it's in the older one, mm-hmm. but they have actual chores listed out. And it's also a little bit like cheaper to have by the dozen. You've got the list of who has bathroom time, who has the chores, all of that. So it is really run like a drill sergeant ready for this family. <laughs> but that's an example of financial and merging two families together. Boy, you have done a, an amazing job of like tying finance into all your movies. And I'm, I'm just like. Because we're a financial podcast. Because I like them. These are my movies. <laughs> 
Is it my turn yet? It's your turn. Okay. Um, okay, so my top five, starting with number five. And this is actually a tough one because I like all these movies. But uh, So number five for me is True Lies. Arnold Schwarzenegger yes. and um, Jamie Lee Curtis. Yes, Cameron. Um, Jamie Lee Curtis, remember? I remember. I didn't think of her as like a... A sex symbol? A sex symbol until Katie informed me that she was. <laughs> so. In that movie? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, so th- that, th- it, it's, it's, she, she does have a, a, she has a housewife vibe in the very, very beginning of the movie, but she, as she gets thrust into Arnold Schwarzenegger's more, um, physically uh, active and challenging lifestyle, that of a spy, of a super spy, uh, she, she, she sort of develops into this this kind of sex bomb super spy herself. Because she thinks her husband is just boring and she wants adventure with the sleazy car salesman. Yeah. Sorry, Daniel, not all car salesmen are sleazy. Bill but- <laughs> Pullman, I think, played that role and did it brilliantly. Yeah. Uh, yeah, th- this is a this is an action packed film. It was actually done by James Cameron. Um, do I have that right, James Cameron? Yes, uh, I'm standing by that answer. Um, and <laughs> uh, but it also had a huge comedic element, so it was funny. It was fun to watch. They had great chemistry. Good movie. Finance wise, um, he was a super spy, so obviously he was mysteriously rich uh, with no. Well, their marriage almost broke up because They're, they weren't truthful with each other. Yes, that's true, but that's not really financial, is it? It's expensive to you get divorced. You all of your movies. <laughs> boom. Okay. It bang, was James Cameron. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. See, it's it doesn't seem like his other James Cameron-y movies, but it was definitely James Cameron. Um, okay. Number four. And this is one of my favorite movies, um, and Robin hates it. Um, and it is, uh, it, it is Mr. and Mrs. Smith. It is the movie wherein the two title characters, Mr. and Mrs. Smith... Uh, almost broke up because mm-hmm. they almost killed each other because they were both hired assassins. Um, and it is also the movie that actually broke up Brad um, Brad Pitt and Jennifer Aniston because he met Angelina Jolie. You just keep talking about the movies that break people up. Yeah, well, there is a financial aspect. When Anytime you break up, divorce is very, very expensive. Oh, I wonder um, where you heard that. <laughs> I like the scenes in that movie where they're with the marriage counselor. Mm. And they're like each on a couch and it's kind of like a, almost a documentary style. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's hilarious. My favorite scene in that movie is actually this, the the part where they're, they're like in a, in a, a superstore or a shopping mall or something like a goldsmith's. I don't know. They're in some sort of major store and they've got all these people that are coming in trying to shoot them both. And they do this amazing, like married couple gun dance where they're, they're, defending themselves <laughs> but i'm mean, seriously it is highly choreographed gunplay that they do with each other and it's obvious that it was done to show sort of the way these two mesh together as a couple when they're actually working together and getting along but it's also just brilliant choreography and i love the scene i'm gonna love- call robin and tell her she needs to work on that choreography with you <laughs> don't 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 <laughs> call robin and tell her anything about mr and mrs smith she to this day has not forgiven angelina jolie um Okay, my number three is Gone Girl. So another marriage Ooh, in trouble. Yeah, majorly. <laughs> I love this book, but then 
I'm I'm very much a book person. Uh, so anytime a book is developed into a movie, I'm always skeptical as to whether it's going to live up to what I've pictured in my mind. This movie did a fantastic job of that. Now, unfortunately, I cannot remember the actress's name. Who, Rosamund Pike. Okay, thank you. Uh, she was brilliant. And she didn't smile at all. It really bothered it was, me. It was really, <laughs> it was it was as disturbing as the book in, in a lot of ways. They're, they obviously left things out that were in the book and changed things a little bit, but... Ben Affleck was great. Rosamund Pike was was brilliant. It was a great movie. Loved it. And again, it, you know, there was she, um, she she faked her death to basically get him in trouble, and uh, then you know it caused marriage troubles. So don't oh, do yeah, that. Yeah, like in Double Jeopardy. Sorry, continue with your list. I just keep throwing more at out you. Out you. Okay, my number two is. Um, Marriage story, because I mean, at this point, I'm basically I'm all in for movies about marriages that are falling apart. And if you haven't seen Marriage Story, (laughs) it's yet another movie about a marriage that falls apart. Um, And it's with uh, Adam Driver and Scarlett Johansson. Brilliantly acted. It's a very, very quiet film, almost boring, but I mean, brilliantly acted and really devastating in terms of just what happens to this couple and the way things fall apart. Um, And, you know, as usual, finances do come into it because they are they spend a good part of their a good part of their marriage sort of in New York going after his dream and kind of trying Mm. to 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 work with his artistic vision and so forth. And Kind of causes some strain. Um, and then my number one, and this movie actually has a pretty happy ending as these things go, especially when you compare it to some of the other movies on my list, is This is 40. And uh, I, I just love this movie. This is Paul Rudd and Leslie Mann. Leslie Mann is a, an actress that is one of my wife's favorites. Leslie Mann, basically, if a, if a movie has Leslie Mann in it, then my wife will watch it. Oh, yeah, that's and she's great. Um, so we watched this movie. Uh, it's uh, it's a very very loose um, sequel to Knocked Up, um, but uh, it, it, it's based on two of the more minor characters in the movie Knocked Up, and and their characters. It's them them reaching the age of forty. They have two daughters. One is older, around fourteen fifteen. The other one is younger, like eight or nine, and. It's just about them interacting with each other at the age of 40, their daughters, and how their marriage is, is working. Um, funny, you, early on, you mentioned that Steve Martin was loaning his daughter money, and that was, you know, well, it comes out that uh, Paul Rudd's character is loaning his father money. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of the the flip of that, and just sort of how they deal with all of the, the money issues that they're facing. And ultimately, they are in financial trouble. So this one really ties perfectly into the financial theme, because a lot of the issues that they are dealing with are the fact that they are not telling each other. It really is more his fault than it is hers, but they're not telling each other their financial issues. And I mean, I guess hilarity ensues, or at least I thought it was hilarious. I know Robin agrees with me. We love the movie, but oh, yeah. anyway. Um, so that's going to be a big theme for today is sort of the the, the idea of sharing, you know, sharing your finances, talking to each other about your finances, if you're Mm -hmm. loaning money to people. (laughs) Yeah, I think let's go ahead and dive right into the meat and potatoes of this. And kind of as we were talking about this episode beforehand, there's a lot of 
different things we've talked about throughout different episodes throughout season one and season two that really come to play in this. So this is again going to be kind of like a just talking about different elements and then you can go back and if you need more in depth on things. But let's just jump right into it. So you've said I do. Yes. And whether you've been married for six months, two years, 20 years, 30 years, whatever it may be, like financial conversations that... That is something, I think we did one episode where we talked about the financial arguments and stuff is what causes the majority of divorces. Like that really... I'm sure it's come up. I mean, we have we've, we have been seriously... You know how we talk about how there are certain episodes that we've teased? Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure Merging Finances has been a, an episode that we've been teasing, at least between us, oh, yeah. for, for, you know... Well, I know it's a hot button with me because I got married... I guess it's been almost two years now, and that was a conversation of we were kind of both already well-established, and it wasn't one of those just like coming off of parents going into this. It's trying to figure out how do you combine, what? how do you do this? What What do you do? What do you need to do? Mm-hmm. And so let's kind of just start talking about that. Okay, so you found this perfect person, but you also need to understand what are y'all's financial priorities? It's when we were talking about the credit scores. Do you remember that there was actually oh, yeah. like dating apps of like people with combined credit scores? Because if you have different varying credit scores, and that means you've got different financial backgrounds. But even the Tooth Fairy episode, everybody comes from different financial backgrounds. Absolutely. So as you're talking about these things, and a lot of marriage counseling classes before you even get married bring up financial stuff, but. I'm going to be honest, some people just say stuff, whatever it may be, and you get through the wedding, and then it's really, you are living this. And this is kind of like everything with your financial plan. It needs to be ongoing and checked up on, because as life changes, your financial goals are going to change. But you need to, you know, have, figure out what are your priorities, figure out a household budget, spending plans, understanding the debt and I hate to say it, but the baggage that somebody may be bringing into the relationship. Has someone been married before and have kids from another marriage? Is somebody bringing student loans to the table? They have got credit card debt. Like what... What are you bringing to the table? What, what didn't you tell them? You probably should. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, are you have a bad habit of spending too much money and I having mean, a bad day? The fact of the matter is there are, okay, there is a there is a there is an emotional element to getting married. There is a a for many a religious element mm-hmm. to getting married and then there is a financial slash business element to getting married. If you consider sort of the 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 governmental component of marriage the you know taxes and all of that stuff the government is interested in getting and giving people incentives to get married and Mm -hmm. whatever and that's that's all business that's all just business that's just the government wants their bucks yeah i mean even just the taxes it's figuring out what is best for you and your significant other on how do you file do you file jointly do you file separately what is it going to be because some I know some people that if a spouse is a citizen of a different country, mm-hmm. then they may need to file separately because it's easier to keep up with it that way. Or if they're coming from, you know, another marriage or if someone's had some, you know, different business thing going on that they need to file separate. Mm-hmm. So it's not one of these one size fits all. You get married. Now you have to jointly be with every bit of financial the whole way across the board. Right. No. 
It's you've got to figure out what fits for you. So how do you even start trying to talk about this and do this? Well, fortunately for us, early on, <laughs> we we did have one of those pre-marriage classes. We went through oh. the, the the premarital um, the, the the premarital class that talked about everything from family planning to budgeting and spending, and mm-hmm. um, that kind of opened the door a crack for us. Unfortunately, it really never for for many years after that it didn't open the door more than a crack. Like we talked about <laughs> it a little bit, but then it's one you know, of those. It's very easy to just like shove in the background and you know you've got to you've got to consider our big thing was like okay we decided that we're going to do joint checking accounts and that's we're going to combine our finances and pay all of our bills out of one account and that was like our big decision and we felt like we'd accomplished something we we didn't talk about spending habits and going into debt and you know all of the other things that can certainly affect a marriage so even just getting that crack in the door whether it's because you go to a pre-marriage counseling class or just because you say okay Start with something simple. Start with the banking, but then keep going from there. Don't mm-hmm. just say, okay, joint checking account, moving on, children. <laughs> yeah. And I think it's with so much of it, you don't want to talk about things when they're fine. And you need to sit there and be honest with each other, set a time to talk. And it's like the episode we talked about caring for aging parents. You don't want to think about your parents aging and having to deal with those financial decisions and that hard times. But if you do it early, then you're going to know what to do. So as a married couple, you need to figure out what are we going to do if we get hit with a financial surprise? Mm-hmm. What are we going to, you know, what what's going to happen? Okay. So how do you actually talk, right? Yeah. You got to be honest. Mm-hmm. You have to set a time to talk. No distractions where it's a dedicated time. It's life's going to come in the way, but you need to do this. This is so important. You need to recognize the differences with the two of you. If it's how you were raised, what you believe in now, what are your priorities? Because I may think it's a priority to make sure I keep my Amazon Prime membership, but, you know, Daniel may be like, oh, no, we don't really need that. And I guess you should point out that, you know, really, although we're we're sort of branding this as the marriage episode, this really should be a premarital conversation. At least start off premarital. It should be, because you should know before you marry somebody if they've got debt, yeah. if they've got all of this. But it's also one of those of, I mean, it, I totally believe in it. It's until you live with somebody, you don't know all their weird quirks and things because well, that's true. a lot of people don't even know that about themselves. If you don't know that you have a spending problem, you haven't admitted it to yourself, how are you going to admit it to your fiance before you get married? Yeah, gee, sweetie, I didn't know I had this box, well, this shoebox full of credit cards that were charged to the max under the bed. Yeah. Sorry. And it's an ongoing conversation. I, I mean, running, yes, running, <laughs> a, running a marriage is running a business. It's, you've got to have your financial budget. You've got to have your, I mean, it's your balance sheet, how to deal with surprises. So you kind of alluded to this a little bit, Court, but it's assigning their roles. Mm-hmm. So say that both of you work. Okay. Now, Who's, how are you going to pay the bills? You yeah. are now merging your bills together. So that's a component of it. You know, more than likely, unless you are buying somewhere new, then, you know, the utilities may be in one person's name and the other, you know, the house note may be another. So how are you paying the bills? Is one person going to be responsible for all the bills? Are you going to put your paychecks all into one account? Mm-hmm. How are you handling that? Right. Because that's something assigning those clear roles. 
but also make sure that that person's comfortable with that. Like, don't give the person who is scatterbrained the responsibility of paying the water bill because then your water may get shut off. And, you know, I will say, just to give some very specific advice on this, um, specifically as it as it relates to your, your accounts and joining your money and mm-hmm. so forth, um, I have a very specific opinion on this, and my specific opinion is it depends. <laughs> Such a lawyer answer. When we started off, uh, when Robert and I started off, we had three accounts. We had our joint account, and then we each had our own individual account that we sort of had for our personal spending money, mm-hmm. you know. But the joint account was where all of the family bills were were paid from, and that's where our two paychecks paid into. Okay. And then we took money from that joint account into our individual accounts. As I've moved on through life, um, that's kind of shifted in, in a weird way because I do still have my individual account and Robin still has an individual account, but a lot more, everything is just sort of all mixed together in this mm-hmm. one pot. And it's just, it's been easier for us to manage Instead of saying like, oh, well, that's money that I spent on me. And so that should come from this account. And that's money that you spent on you. And I don't want to have to pay for that out of the joint account. Instead of having those sorts of arguments, it's just, okay, there's this pile of money and we need to both be aware of how we're spending money. But that that's evolved for us over time. Oh, yeah. And someone else may n- want to just start off that way and have one account and that's it because we're we're one person now. And Or you may want to have no joint account and each of you divvies up your bills. I personally don't, I don't, I don't like that plan, but that's just my personal preference. Yeah. Hopefully you trust this person and you do set up a joint account. I mean, I know that's what I, we kind of have a similar, we've got a joint account, but then we each have individual accounts and it's kind of one of those that we don't really have to talk to each other about what we spend on that. Now, my marriage counseling class before I got married, they tried to say you had to talk to your significant other before you spent over a hundred dollars. I know that's hard for you. Yeah. Yeah, I don't do that. <laughs> I think Daniel may be lucky if I call him if I'm spending over like a thousand dollars. Like those purchases I may let him know, but like if I had to call him every time I spend over a hundred dollars, no. That I mean, he would just tell me to stop. Like actually I'll tell you a funny story with, you know, finances uh at at a festival in Collierville and saw this great investment. It was this cool art. Then like, oh, I can go and buy this for my in-laws. They're gonna love it. Called Daniel real fast because it was expensive, and he had a customer right there, and he's just like, "Uh uh-huh, honey, whatever, uh uh-huh, yeah, uh uh-huh, hung up, and the customer was like, that sounded like it was an expensive call, and he's like, well, it's going to make her happy, so I don't really care. (laughs) (laughs) That's obviously a funny thing, but it's finances is something to bring up, and I do want to throw out this word, allowances. Mm -hmm. I kind of cringe a little bit with this, because when I picture allowances, that's kids, That is like you're giving your kids an allowance, but we need a better term, but this is actually something that we've come across a lot with a husband and wife having allowances. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's call it the budgeted personal fund. Yes. Okay. So instead of allowance, basically, because what an allowance is, is it's this amount that you have in your budget that you are going to give to your child every week or month or whatever, whether you tie chores to it or whatever, it's a set amount of money that they're going to get every week or month that's theirs to spend how they want. Or maybe you have rules on how they can spend it. But 
so if there's if there's you know you're giving it to them well if you don't like the the idea of oh we're giving this to me and it's my personal it's still money for you to spend in the way that you see fit mm-hmm. and it has to be budgeted from your joint account because it has to come from that joint account yeah or it has to come from your paycheck or it has to it's however, coming from it's somewhere coming from somewhere so it needs to be budgeted and it's money that's personal to you. It's per, it's money that you're going to spend on your things. Yeah. And what things those are, y'all can lay those out. But still, it's basically an allowance. But if you don't like that, call it something else. And it's, so there, there's two points to this that I want to go with. It, I'm a big proponent of, you know, I, I came into my marriage and I had had a, a job beforehand. I'd made this money, worked hard for it. And I didn't want it to be that, all of them, all of my money was our money. I still wanted to keep my money as my money that I didn't want to have to have someone know what I was spending it on. Not that I was spending it on bad things, but just a, a control thing of this is mine and my identity. Yes, we need to talk about that. I know, sorry. <laughs> um, but it's something about when you merge finances, it doesn't mean you have to merge everything. Mm-hmm. It is not saying that you have to literally dump everything. Yes, you know, Tell, tell your significant other about your money you have, but it's one of those don't feel bad if you've got your fun money that you've put aside and that's what you can go and spend money on and you know that it is in your financial plan of money that's not needed for bills, for retirement, for college savings, all of that. That is money that you can use guilt-free. Let me give a let me give a, a side note here, okay. real quick. I just it just occurred to me, for those of you that are listening to us that are not from our specific state, there are states out there that are community property states, mm-hmm. and if you're living in a community property state, basically anything that comes into your marriage after you get married is half hers, half yours, or half his, half yours. Which what 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 so. We're talking, Katie and I both are talking from the perspective of a state that is not a community property state. Yes. Because that's where we both live. So we're not going to go into community property today, but, you know, we, we might we might talk, we might touch more on that in, in another episode. Well, and that's what, I mean, uh, let me do my point and then I got to get court to go back in session on something legally. Um, the point I want to make is that there is some there's a financial component to the non-working spouse. A lot of times I hear with financial and merging finances with spouses is that if one person is bringing an income and they're working and the other one isn't, then that is where that still needs to be open that the non-working spouse is contributing a lot to the family and still needs to have access to those funds and it doesn't need to be a situation where they, you know, go to the grocery store for the family and they don't have enough money in their account. So that's something to make sure you consider that you are running your finances like a business, but you're also running it like a loving, significant other taking care of a family. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you certainly, I, the more I think there is an imbalance in terms of where the actual cash is coming from, mm-hmm. the more possible possibility there is that one person might feel more controlled Mm -hmm. while the other one is feeling more controlling, you know, and that could, that could be a, a, a place for some tension. If one person is basically responsible for the majority of the cash, yeah, they're not necessarily responsible for the majority of the, uh, 
household input. But mm-hmm. if they're the, if they're controlling that cash too much, that could create some serious problems. And in our other podcast where we talk about therapy, if you're in a controlling relationship with money, just kidding, um, do you want to throw some stats out at you? 20% of couples don't combine finances and manage money completely separately. People who manage money separately from their partners are five times more likely to leave their partner due to money issues. And money does become a battleground because about a third of married couples admit to arguing about finances at least once a month. Hmm. I think we, I don't know. I I don't feel like we argue about finances anymore. We just, I, we just, we just both cry about them. <laughs> you, just, you just let it go like Elsa. <laughs> or just cry on each other's shoulder. So, Court, I do want you to go in session because there is something that I think is a conversation with merging your finances with your significant other. So, inheriting money, or if you know that you are getting money from parents, and a lot of times we do have people come across of, well, this is money that was from my dad given to me. Does it have to go to my spouse? Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Okay. Ooh, man, this is a topic that I could spend probably a couple of hours talking okay, about. Okay, well, just give me a little bullseye nugget. <laughs> okay, so basically, if you inherit money and you don't want it to definitely go to your spouse, then keep it separate. Mm-hmm. Keep it in a separate account. That's that's the simple answer. Um, if you if When you inherit something, it's yours, and it doesn't automatically... I think I'm fairly certain, 99% certain, that even in community property states... It does not automatically, when you inherit money, become property of your spouse. Okay. Um, it has to be shared with your spouse, which means if you were to inherit that money and put it in your joint bank account or in a joint investment account, mm-hmm. if you were to put it in any account where your spouse has some sort of ownership claim, then you have shared that inheritance with your spouse. So if you don't want your spouse to have a claim to that inheritance, don't share uh, basically put it in a separate account that's only in your name and keep it for yourself yeah. and then make sure that you plan for how it is going to be distributed in your estate. So no, that's the short answer. You don't have to share an inheritance. It gets way more complicated <laughs> than that, but let's just leave it at that. Oh, point. I'm sure it is. So with this, it's, you know, we talked about being honest and having these open conversations because you have agreed to marry this person and it's, it's a marathon. It is not a sprint, hopefully. And it's going to be, your financial situation is going to change. There's going to be times where one or the other has financial issues. Some of the movies we talked about, how uh, a family member comes to you and needs help, needs to be bailed out. And it's not that you're being deceitful and not telling your significant other, but you you know that it may upset them, but you still do it. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I think that's where a lot of the financial issues come about is when it's hiding financial concerns of if someone lost a job or if you've got to loan money to a nephew or a dad or something like that, that it then becomes a financial strain on the family or if someone's got a gambling problem. Mm-hmm. Like it's where you've got to be I mean, open. touch that with a 10-foot pole, would you? <laughs> I, I mean, I just, I, I would not want to get into, into those sorts of extramarital issues where you're involving your marriage and someone else's problems. Yeah. You know, that, that, that would just be tough. Yeah. So there is a lot of components about it and there's no way that this is something obviously that financial advisors and therapists if needed can help out with these, but it's about being open and having these dialogues because your partner, 
you need to understand each other's financial goals and preferences. If one thinks it's important to save for kids' college and another doesn't, you need to try and find, meet in the middle, figure out what's going to work for you, Mm -hmm. what is going to be the priority. And if you do come across financial hard times, it's better to rip the Band-Aid off earlier on and talk about it and try and work together than to just keep letting your significant other spend the money like usual, knowing that it's not coming in as much as it was before. Right. Beneficiaries is another thing that is a financial component. When you get married, that's something to think about, those accounts you've had, Mm -hmm. and if something was to happen to you, switching who your beneficiary is. Yeah, especially, especially, especially on on um on for instance on retirement accounts mm-hmm. um i'm i'm dealing with an issue right now with with a, a retirement account that didn't have a, a designated beneficiary on it and it's just a nightmare to deal with if that if you if you pass away and you pass away without a beneficiary designated on your retirement account who what a mess i mean bank accounts um you know, it's it's good to have a beneficiary designated on those investment accounts. It's good mm-hmm. to have a, a beneficiary designated on those. All of those sorts of considerations will do a big thing if you do it. It will keep all of those assets from having to go through probate to be distributed if you just set a beneficiary. So in bank accounts, you've got POD is usually the designation, payable on death. Uh, investment accounts, it's usually TOD. It's transfer on death. Retirement accounts, I think it's basically the same. Yeah. Okay. So... Another aspect of it that is financial is the, um, well, financial and legal, is power of attorneys. Mm-hmm. That's something to consider when you're merging your finances with your spouse is kind of as you're doing your checklist of making sure you've switched your beneficiaries, you've figured out who's going to pay the bills and how the money's going to flow in and ha- how you're going to figure out your budget. But then it's power of attorney because something that we David says all the time in the office is... Just because you're married to each other does not mean you legally have the right to sign their name if something happens. The perfect example. Okay, we just talked about some, you may have some people out there that want to keep their finances separate. Mm -hmm. Or you may have somebody out there that wants to keep their inheritance, their giant inheritance separate. And, And if you have that account separate... What happens if you become incapacitated and that that account is not available to you because you're not you're not awake to to be able to get into it and nobody else can? Yeah, you can establish a power of attorney where you set your spouse or someone else, but you know your spouse makes sense in a lot of ways. They at least have access to do things to that account if you're incapacitated. You don't have to give them the right to mess with it if you're if you're awake. Mm-hmm. You can make it so that it's just when you're when you're when incapacitated. Something happens to you, yeah. And that giving them access to that account doesn't give them ownership of that account. It doesn't give them a right to claim that account. Mm-hmm. They actually have a fiduciary responsibility to do things in your best interests if they are if they are exercising their power of attorney over your things. So. You can set it up so that you're taken care of if you can't take care of yourself, basically. And it makes sense to make make your spouse that person. I mean, if you trust them enough that you're going to share your life with them, then... Hopefully you trust them, yeah, to handle your finances. And I mean, that's just, that's the key of it. And the other element of it, and this is something that when we do a big, you know, financial planning analysis of people... It's the insurance as well. So you have merged your life together and whether you have physically merged your finances or not, you are a unit. And if one of you was to pass away, 
early, then what is the financial impact on you passing away? So that's where we can run insurance analysis and figure out how much life insurance would you need on a spouse if they were to pass away unexpectedly. And that's just covering and figuring out the financial impact that would happen. Well, and that circles back around perfectly to to one of the things that you mentioned earlier. If you've got a spouse that is the main home caretaker Mm -hmm. and you've got a spouse that is actually earning the cash. Um, A lot of times we hear people that talk about, well, we don't need insurance on her because, um, you know, she's, she's not earning money. And so Uh, wrong. So I mean, and I've had the pleasure of sitting in several financial plans where we've actually, I've seen when we've come to the section where it's the life insurance analysis and they're thinking like, oh, there's going to be nothing on me. I'm just a stay-at-home mom. And the like glee that gets in, usually it's the woman, the glee that usually gets in her eyes because she's like, oh, there is a need. And it's because think about this, ladies and gentlemen, if the mom was to pass away unexpectedly, you would then have to have somebody who's who's going to cook, who's going to clean, who's going to take the kids to activities, you know, who's going to handle all the household things that go who's on. Who's going to watch the kids after school? Yeah, you've got to then replace probably multiple different people to do all the jobs that that One power was mom doing. was doing. Yeah, yeah. And so there is a huge financial impact to that and mm-hmm. you know, that's something to consider and this whole thing is just an open conversation and making sure that you're never too young in your marriage to really seek a financial advisor and go through that financial planning process and figure out what are the steps we need to be doing now to make sure we're with our priorities and goals now. Because life is short and if you want to make sure you're doing the right things now and you're having those conversations and yeah, financial stuff is very hard to talk about. And so that's where sometimes if you have an excuse of working with financial professional, then it can be like, oh, well, you know, remember what court told us? Court told us that we need to only be spending this much per month. So we need to make court proud and do that. And it's kind of that scapegoat of like, oh, well, we got to make him proud. We, we don't want to upset him. Oh, if only I could say to my wife. <laughs> Don't you remember what I told us? Don't you want to make I (laughs) proud? (laughs) Well, maybe I can tell her and be like, this is what y'all need to do. But it's, I mean, I'm sure, Court, you've got, you know, y'all are about to be empty nesters. So you've got kids that y'all are having to throw in the mix and have them on the payroll. And and y'all are about to have a whole other financial change with your life because you won't have kids Mm -hmm. day to day living there. So it's, there'll still be allowances and all sorts of other expenses. <laughs> of course, sure, they're not on the payroll yet. <laughs> yeah, but but yeah, we we're it's it's it it is going to be a change. So we're we're as I've mentioned many times during season two, we're we're going through a lot of financial reevaluation right now as we get ready for this next stage in our lives. But um, so yeah, it, it, and you've got to sit down and you've got to understand each other's point of view. And goodness gracious, you got to try try hard not to take things personally because. You know, oh, yeah. there are some obvious things about me that my wife will will point out, and you know, if I if I'm feeling a little bit sensitive, they might they might if she points it out, it might upset me when we're talking about this stuff. I'm like, no, that's not true. But yeah. ultimately, if I can just keep an open mind and be like, yeah, this actually has this this thing that I do has an effect on both of us, and it's going to have an effect on our continued on the continued way that we live. Mm-hmm. If I'm not willing to at least accept that it is something that I do, whether that's 
you know, insist on a, a Netflix subscription or whatever <laughs> it is. Absolutely. Okay. You ready to bullseye this? Okay, so my bullseye is going to really focus in on the the legal aspect of this. When you're when you're joining two lives together, there's a lot to consider legally. Um, h- how are you going to care for each other if, if one of you becomes incapacitated? Um, who are your beneficiaries now, just as you're getting married or as you've just gotten married? Um, who are they going to be? Uh, make sure all of your beneficiaries are set on all of your accounts. Anything that you can pass without going through court if you pass away is going to be easier. So set those beneficiaries and make sure that you, you know, it, it's one of those things that that it's easy to discuss or it should be easy to discuss with each other. Make sure that your estate planning is taken care of. You've got a new spouse. You may already have children from previous marriage or you may be planning on having children right away as quickly as possible. So make sure your wills and stuff like that are are in place and up to date. There's tax things that you have to consider. So make sure that you you know what you're planning on doing as far as your taxes are concerned. And then um, make sure that you have a good understanding of what marital assets, what that, what that phrase actually mm-hmm. means. Make sure that you know what a marital asset is. And when I say a marital asset, I'm talking about something that you own basically as a married couple. You each are entitled to half of it, whatever that thing is, whether it's a bank account or a car or whatever. Is it a is it a marital asset or is it something that just belongs to you? Make sure you have that good understanding. So just basically understand that 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 again, I guess the bullseye to sum up is marriage is romance, marriage is religion, but marriage is also a business. So make sure you've got all of your legal issues in that business lined up. Bullseye. What about you, Katie? Well, you gave me an idea, so I guess we're going to have to like go a little out of order, but we need to do an episode about prenups. We need oh. to talk about prenups. That's something that is a, a financial decision and a legal and an emotional decision that some people, it might work out and be right for them before they say, I do. Mm-hmm. So just put that in your noggin, everybody. We will probably do an episode coming up about prenups. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. <laughs> We need to bring in like a family attorney, a family practice attorney to to talk on that. Okay, perfect. So if you're listening and you know someone that could do that and love to be a guest, we'd love to have them. Okay, my bullseye. So I'm going to be a little bit more on the emotional side of it. And it's that you need to make this a priority. You need to be honest and open and set times to have these conversations and you also need to be aware of your strengths and your weaknesses and the differences. If if one significant if one person was raised in a totally different way, don't expect them to completely be able to change their stripes and understand necessarily how you were raised. You've got to kind of merge. It, I mean, it's in the title, merging finances. You are meeting together and blending. It is not one way or the other, and it's understanding. Who, who is the right person to pay the bills? Who What is your relationship going to be to financial aspects of your life? And being honest of yourself, but also seeking the strengths and weaknesses of your spouse as well and seeing what they can do. And if there are financial hard times, try to be calm and understanding about it and not blow up because then I think that's what if people... It's kind of like going back to like a little kid. If you, you know, have something scary happen, then you're going to always shy away from it. So if you try and talk to your significant other about finances and it's a bad experience, 
you then may be hiding it and it causes a bigger snowball issue. And then they're coming to you like, oh, I screwed up. I've got $50,000 of credit card debt. And then it's really a huge issue. Mm. So be open, be honest, have a conversation, be aware of strengths and weaknesses and who you are. Bullseye. Bullseye. Well, what do you know, Katie? There's the closing bell. Ladies and gentlemen, you have made it to the end of yet another episode of the Bullcast Podcast. Thank you for coming back and joining us for our third season. Woohoo! Yeehaw! If you liked what you heard and you'd like to hear some more and it's the first time you've ever heard us, how is that possible? But I can tell you what you can do. You can go back and listen to our previous episodes and make sure that you get every single new episode that we ever record being directly to your phone by subscribing. Go to your favorite subscription service and subscribe to the to the Bullcast podcast. If you'd like to find out more about me and Katie, you can go to our website. That's bullcastpodcast.com. You can also leave comments there. Suggest the uh, suggest a topic that you would like to hear us talk about. Um, if you like pictures, then we do have an Instagram account, and you can check that out. Our Instagram handle is at bullcastpodcast, and also we do have a Twitter account. That Twitter handle is at bullcastpodcast. And finally, I don't know if we've mentioned it this episode, but Katie and I work for a place called Pickler Wealth Advisors, a financial advisory firm. And if you'd like to find out more about that firm, find out more about our amazing team and our amazing boss, David Pickler, then please Go to that website and find out as much as you want about us. That's PicklerWealthAdvisors.com. That's advisors with a no, not an E. That's correct. Ladies and gentlemen, Katie and I have given you everything you need to be going on with. So, for now, I'm Court. I'm Katie. And we out. <laughs>